Our reading this evening is Ruth, chapter 3. Then Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go, and uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our lesson begins with this question from Naomi. Should I not seek rest for you? She knew that what Ruth needed was rest from her weariness, rest from her widowhood, rest from her barrenness. She needed rest from the curses of sin. And that was the question. The question that we've heard in the first two chapters of Ruth, will there be rest Or will the curses prevail? Will there be bread in Bethlehem, the house of bread? Will there once again be fruitfulness in the land? Will it bring forth grain and bread? And will the wombs that have been made bare, will they once again bring forth children? Those are all the questions that are afloat right now. As we watch Naomi give some instructions to Ruth, and they are perplexing instructions. Naomi has a lot of confidence in what God can do, in God's providence. Go and lie down at his feet, she says to Ruth. Go and lie down at the feet of Boaz, 
and he will tell you what to do. Naomi is like a prophetess, like the prophet Samuel, who said to Saul, do whatever your hand finds you to do. The Lord will guide your ways. Naomi is sure that wherever Ruth ends up, if it is the Lord who is guiding her, all will be well. She will have rest. But this question, whether the curses will prevail, whether there will be fruitfulness, whether there will be bread in Bethlehem, you can frame this question in another way. Because today we see a whole bunch of situations that look like situations that have happened before. So here's another way to frame the question. Will history repeat itself? Will Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, will they be like their ancestors? Who, in the face of trouble, who, lacking rest, sought to solve problems on their own, who looked for rest in all the wrong places? Will Boaz be like Noah, who drank some wine from the vineyard that he planted past the point of merriness to the point of drunkenness? Will Boaz be like Lot, who found himself so senseless that his daughters took advantage of him? Will Boaz be that kind of a man? Will Naomi, in her striving to find a spouse and a future for Ruth, will Naomi be like Sarah, who took matters into her own hands and told Abraham to sleep with Hagar? Will Naomi try to do things her own way? Will she be like Rebecca, who had to do things under the cover of darkness in order to get Isaac to bless Jacob? Will Naomi be like Rachel and Leah, who traded favors with one another in order to spend time with her husband? Will Naomi be that kind of a manipulator? Or will she trust and listen? And how about Ruth? Ruth today is really the one that it all hinges on. She comes to Boaz while he's lying there asleep, his heart having been made merry with wine, and all of a sudden there are flashes in this story of Ruth's ancestors, the daughters of Lot, who, when their father was drunk, took advantage of him and so bore the people of Moab and the people of Ammon. Will Ruth be like them? Will she take advantage of Boaz? Will she find him in his weakness and contrive for herself a future and a son? Those are great questions that are posed by the book of Ruth, by the story today, and what a marvelous turn of events that none of those things come to pass, that Boaz and Naomi and Ruth proved to be the better Noah, the better Lot, the better Sarah, and the better of Lot's daughters, reversing all of the curses that were suffered by these people before. Ruth lies down at Boaz's feet, putting herself in jeopardy. Lots of things can go wrong. Her faithfulness is the hinge in this story. If she is unfaithful, she doesn't trust in God, if she tries to grab for herself what does not belong to her, if she tries to hold on to the blessings that she wants and not the blessings that God gives, then it will all fall apart. It will be as though she is finding stolen bread in Bethlehem and bearing children illegitimately. How tempting that would be to make her own way. But here she is, and she lies down, and she is completely vulnerable. All depends on whether or not Boaz will make a fool of her, whether he'll take advantage of her, whether he'll call her a scoundrel, whether he'll treat her like a terrible person, a sinner. How risky is her faith? She could have been full of reproach in that moment, and yet she had heard the words of Naomi. Lie down at his feet, and he will tell you 
what to do. She listened and she believed. And in believing, she finds herself at the feet of one who rejoices at her faithfulness. Boaz wakes up in the middle of the night like Jacob, waking up in the morning, and behold, there's a woman there, not the woman he was expecting, not any woman was he expecting, and yet, unlike Jacob, he doesn't despise this woman who's at his feet. He rejoices. Blessed are you. Blessed are you because you didn't go looking for someone who was young or someone who was fair, but you came to me because I am your Redeemer. Boaz rejoices. Do not fear. He delights to say to her, do not fear, I will protect you, I will save you, all that you ask, I will do for you. This great kindness that Ruth has shown to him, he delights in it. He's thankful for her love and for her graciousness and above all for her faithfulness. That is what he's looking for in a bride. Not one who makes her own way, not one who is desperate and afraid, but one who trusts. That's what he is looking for. He's looking for one who sees, not as man sees, but as God sees, who recalls the greeting of Boaz to his workers, the Lord be with you, and they return the favor. Now, the great uh, irony or coincidence of this chapter is that the question began at the beginning, where will I find rest for you? Naomi says, shouldn't I look for rest for you, my daughter? And the end of the chapter sees Boaz not resting, sparing no expense, not settling until the matter has been resolved, until he can be sure that Ruth and Naomi are cared for. It is in the nature of a redeemer, of a savior, not to rest until his beloved is at ease. And that's exactly what Boaz does for Ruth. He ensures by his life, by his promises, and by all that he does, he ensures that Ruth can be brought under his wings, into his shelter, and kept for the future. That's what Boaz promises to Ruth. And it is a beautiful picture of our Savior, who delights when we come to him trusting, in faith, laying everything before him, listening and obeying, expecting that whatever he tells us to do will be good because he loves us and he cares for us. Our Savior, like Boaz, rejoices in the kindness we show to him by trusting him by not going after other gods, the gods that our hearts desire, the things of this world that cannot deliver, that cannot save, but when they go after him, when our hearts are set on him, he rejoices. He says, what great kindness you have shown to me. He delights in saying, fear not, in taking away your fear, in saying the things that could harm your body are nothing to be afraid of, because he has preserved your whole life, body and soul. He delights when we see not as men see. When we see in the cross of Jesus not something ugly and grotesque, but something beautiful and salutary. When we see in the cross of Jesus our hope and our future and the love of God beyond all measure. Our Savior rejoices like Boaz rejoiced as we come and lay lay down at his feet in hope. Not afraid, not desperate, Not striving or grasping, not trying to make our own way, but knowing that our future is bound up with him. And he is good. He lives in Bethlehem, in a house of bread, and he means for that bread to be ours, the bread from heaven. He means to take away the curses, the curses of fruitlessness, of futility, 
of spinning our wheels in this life and going nowhere, of winding up in the grave. He means to take it all away, to reverse those curses by bearing the curses in himself, by enduring the shame that we deserve. He takes it all. Will history repeat itself? Absolutely not. Just as Naomi and Ruth and Boaz are better than their ancestors, so also is Christ a better Adam, a better Noah, a better David. He's a better king than ever this earth saw. He's a better Lord and Master. He is God himself for us. Our hope is bound up with him. To come regularly and lay down at his feet and ask him for everything that you need, for all good things, and be sure, be sure that he will not rest until he has given it all to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.